It's the Great American Folk Show, a little place in this space that celebrates the craft and community of music and art and the people who make it. I'm Tom Rousseau. My producer, Eric Deathridge, is hanging with me today. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Great to be hanging with you. And Tom, got to ask, what you got cooking today? <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask. We're going to be talking to one of your Prairie Public colleagues mm-hmm. about a popular foodie Facebook group that he runs. Yeah, his name is Rick Guion, and the Facebook group is called Fargo Moorhead Eats. Now, it just seems like everybody in town in the FM area with a curious and adventurous appetite is reading it. And we'll talk about how food plays a major part of North Dakota communities, big and small. And we'll reveal our favorite songs about food. If you've got one, why don't you drop me a line? Let me know. Official Tom Brousseau at gmail.com. Yeah, I hope you fill up Tom's inbox with lots of <laughs> food songs. Hey, we've also got a finger-picking ragtime guitarist that your McCalkinen of Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna fame once called a national treasure, Mary Flower. But first, we're going to start off with another Phillips. We had on Glenn Phillips on the last episode, and this time it's Grant Lee Phillips. Remember his song, Fuzzy, and Honey Don't Think. And not only was he great in his band, Grantley Buffalo, but Grantley Phillips has had an amazing solo career, and he's even acted. Do you remember the Gilmore Girls? Ah, uh, yeah, he had the microphone clipped onto a harmonica clip as he would serenade a scene as the town, town troubadour. troubadour. Yeah. Well, we've got him today. Darkness yields to twilight. 
Now the fog is finally lifted And the daylight's breaking through It's been a long time Drifting half awake But I'm coming to Half awake But I'm coming to Coming to songs come from? That's a good question. I was starting a tour and uh, making my way over to uh, Italy where the tour began. As it often occurs when you're traveling a whole bunch, your immune system gets worn down. It doesn't matter how much you you try. I mean, I try everything, right? I still get sick because, um, you know, you're around lots of folks and you're not sleeping and you're not eating that good. And um, so... I got off the plane uh, in Milan that morning, you know, you fly all night, um, flew from Nashville, and uh, I'm feeling lousy, I'm feeling way bad, you know, and um, I actually have it documented, a photograph from <laughs> from that day, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, I look a mess, and not even like my default mess, which I can live with. Um, but I'm all sweaty and I'm looking horrible and I'm feeling horrible. And, um, you know, typically I arrive, I, uh, you get in like at eight or nine in the morning, quite often you haven't slept that good on the plane. You're just hoping that your, uh, you know, your hotel is going to show some mercy and let you in the room, you know, but a lot of times you have to just sort of loiter for hours in the lobby. Um, by the end of the day, you're trying to fall asleep because you got to start that tour the next day, really, you know, within a day of, of, um, stepping off the plane. And so I'm backstage and I'm feeling like, how am I going to pull this out? You know, how am I going to pull this off? Um, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bad. You know, I've, um, I've got a towel over my head. One of my old tricks, um, Tea kettle, there's always some nasty tea kettle. It doesn't matter what kind of broom closet they put you in. As a dressing room, you've got the tea kettle and um, uh, that towel over my head. And it's a kind of a little personal sauna, you know, just a little bit of class in the midst of everything else going haywire. And, um, you know, your own personal spa. So I'm trying to kind of coax out a little bit of moisture out of my throat, which feels like it's... It's lined with beef jerky, just just thick and raw and dry. And um, sound check wasn't a lot of fun, let me tell you. Uh, I'm sitting back there in the dressing room, and I'm plunking on the guitar like I, I often do. And uh, lo and behold, the discovery of a couple of chords, you know, just a sequence of regular old chords, but, you know, they're capoed up high, and so they sound a little different. They chime, you know, like a little, like a little lute. And um, again, that built-in mechanism that wants to take me out of my body <laughs> in this situation kicks in and I start hearing this melody and uh, my mind drifts from the show, which I have a complete bundle of nerves, you know. Um, and I start hearing this song and I start working my way through it. And um, then it's time to do the show get through the show, however I can get through the show. And um, I realized the next day that I've, I think I've got a song underway here. You know, a song about feeling vulnerable. Um, a song about not rising to the occasion, you know. It's sort of a metaphor for a lot of things, you know. I'm spending all of my time inside the, uh, the hotel room over the next couple of days, you know, in complete isolation. And... Um, I basically wrapped it up there in the uh, in the hotel room the next day, and um, now this is February 2019. I had no idea that the uh, the album would come out later on in 2020 at that point, um, or that by February of 2020, 
all of us would be in this state of uh, of wondering how we were going to deal with this um, this situation where we are confronted with our physical vulnerability and our isolation, for that matter. So, um, I guess the moral of the story is songs are spooky. <laughs> be careful what you write. I guess is the uh, the moral of the story. The song's called Lowest Low. The unmistakable voice, both singing and speaking, of Grant Lee Phillips. We heard two bookend tunes and a little talk about where songs come from. In this case, backstage in a dressing room and before a show where new chords and melodies emerge. And this beautiful song came together about how to navigate isolation, ironically, right before the pandemic. In the spirit of Grant Lee's talk about backstage routines and creative bursts, Tom, I got to ask you to pull back the curtain while you are behind the curtain. So what's your usual backstage routine before a show? I could talk about this for an entire hour. I do think that it would be interesting. (laughs) My my routine is really simple. So I like to kind of collect myself. I don't really want to do anything other than just sit down and wash my face and maybe wash my hands and brush my teeth. I kind of like to reset. That's kind of what I do. Yeah, and, and reset in these, uh, you know, I mean, unless you're in one of those ornate theaters that have lovely dressing rooms, you're talking backstage at a club, which, I mean, I got to say, come on, club owners. I mean, these things are cesspools. They're, they're no better than an airplane. <laughs> lavatory at the time sometimes you do go to a club and it's really beautiful and people are knocking on the door asking you do you need this do you need that but i think the other half of the time it's going to be very bare minimum very basic accommodations and maybe 25 percent of that is going to be no lights no heat no hot water i mean it's just like 
oh, man, it's not the space you want to be in, in a way, right before you go and do a show. Well, I think anybody that knows you by now from this show and, and your radio show and, and just you in general knows you're probably not a diva type. You're not going to be asking for the red M&Ms only <laughs> in your rider. But curious minds do want to know, Tom Russo, what's on your rider? All I have on my rider is, all right, some sparkling water. Got to have sparkling uh-huh, water, okay? Yeah. A bar of soap. Eric and a towel. That that's it. That's that's it. But they're kind of crucial. There's people to avoid places they miss. Backstage access. Who needs this? The club is a toilet when you gotta take a piss in the sink when you're out on the road. Out on the road. Out on the road. You're Willie Loman and you're Tom Joe. Vladimir and Estragon. Kerouac and Genghis Khan. Out on the road. Out on the road. That's where your wild oats were sowed. Tom, the old song says about New York City, of course, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Same really could be said about a place like Nashville, where, you know, country musicians, very talented ones, are a dime a dozen. And it's tough to stand out in another big music city, the Roots Hubbub, Austin. Well, we've got one out of that Texas hotbed for Americana culture. Leo Rondoon hails from the Turtle Mountains of North Dakota. He sharpened his songwriting skills and his stage skills playing the Texas capital city for years before moving to Nashville. Yeah, he returned to Austin and played a triumphant show there last year. He was worried that he would be forgotten. Nope. My heart goes out to the Cajun Queens but it ain't where I belong And all these days and I never learned to trade never understood their tongue And I never quite got there dancing right to go As we get ready for the holiday season, Leo has a couple of somewhat twisted Christmas tunes, and he'll tell us now about one of his songwriting angles. Hello, great American folk show listeners. My name is Leo Rondu. Something I like to take into consideration when writing is involving some form of humor. It can be a line or a word or, you know, it can be subtle that could just give the listener a smile when they least expect it. Or you could also just go straight over the top with a good old novelty song, which the country folk genre has a long history of. And those songs are can honestly be a little challenging to write, which makes them fun to write. I feel I've tried my hand at all these approaches with varying degrees of success. And I'd say that pretty much all my favorite writers have some aspect of humor to their writing. Even when the world would probably consider them very serious writers, I think that you can tell through their writing that they don't take themselves too seriously. And for myself, I think it's, you just, if when I've written sad songs, you know, depending on what's been going on in my life, if I've gone through that period, it's nice to come out on the other end of that and maybe just kind of write some lighthearted songs to, you know, because life can be pretty serious business and it's, it's nice when someone lets you off the hook every once in a while. So in that spirit, And while we're on the edge of the holiday season, I have a couple of Christmas songs I'd like to share with you. Hope you enjoy them, and thanks for listening. I heard that Santa was gonna give it up For lack of believers, times were getting rough In early age, parents telling their kids That Kris Kringle, he don't exist chimneys they're getting less and less they've gone to electric or they've gone to gas and climate change is hard on reindeer and he's sweating more and more and more every year there will be no there'll be no more be no Jesus, he's losing believers 
documents his adventures in institutions that praise him weekly. Santa, you don't have that, but you can count on me. In a day and age where we believe anything, any conspiracy that comes across the screen, we draw the line at the North Pole, and we're no longer buying the ho, ho, ho. There will be no, there'll be no more, be no more, ho, ho, ho. There will be no, there'll be no more, be no Okay, here's a hot tip. Holiday gift givers, don't buy your mom a wet dry vac or a dishwasher or a washer or a dryer. Better not do that for your significant other either. (laughs) Okay, so we are a touch early. Yes, yes. But hey, holiday displays are up everywhere. Just try going to a Costco and avoiding it. (laughs) Good luck. So why not get in a little pre-holiday spirit, Tom? I got to ask you, because we love lists, what's your favorite twisted or twist on Christmas songs. Right, like a take on Christmas yeah, songs. Exactly. Or twisted as in uh, not like traditional yeah, or funny. sentimental. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hmm, okay. All right. 
this would have to be something that my parents listened to, my grandfather listened to. It was the best of Spike Jones, and I'm not talking about Spike Jones, you know, uh, the, the guy filmmaker. from March. No, mm-hmm. not that right. guy. Yeah. The yeah. guy who came before, that's Spike Jones. And his Wacky Wacky Kids, the City Slickers. Okay, I've always loved the song that they do. It's called All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. Good old Santa Claus and all his reindeer. They used to bring me lots of toys and candy. Gee, but, but now when I go out and call Mansur, Mansur, Donner and Blitzen, none of them can understand me. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, Tom. Isn't I that mean, a good one? Yeah, it's a great one. I, I, I would probably throw out there, you know, the sort of cynical but sweet one would be Merry Christmas from the Family by Robert Earl Keane. But for the more serious, sentimental one, but, but just a great collab, a little twist on Christmas. It's a Hollywood Christmas as penned and performed by Dawes and the Killers. It's called Christmas in L.A. Take a listen. I've played so many parts I don't know which one's really me Don't know if I can take Another Christmas in L.A. Another picture of sangria In an empty beach cafe Yeah, so it's uh, all about an actor far away from home and the things that he misses about home, uh, namely snow. <laughs> you might sure relate to that, Tom, oh. having lived in Southern California and missing uh, Grand Forks and the snows here. Uh, but what song? I mean, quotes a Warren Zevon lyric and mentions Harry Dean Stanton. Maybe she got married, had a couple of kids. Who do you think you're fooling, man? Of course she did I'm walking in the antenna's bar I Try and talk with Harry Dean I don't know if So Tom, food is a big part of the creative arts that sustains us all. We got that right. We featured little cafes and eateries that have dotted the rural landscape of North Dakota. We've also featured adventurous and staple food places to eat in cities like Minot, Grand Forks, and of course, Fargo. And the scene, I have to say, is pretty wild here in North Dakota's largest city. And here at Prairie Public, we happen to have somebody under our roof who knows a thing or two about it. His name is Rick Guion. He is Major Gifts Manager here at Prairie Public. And he runs a Facebook group called Fargo Moorhead Eats. scout out some restaurants, new ones, old ones in the FM area, but yes. you leave it up to your readers to kind of, you know, fill people in on, on what's good and what's cool, right? Yeah, it's more of a community-driven group that's interactive. We let people post where they're eating around, recipes, what they're making at home, certain things like that. But the, the best thing you can post is pictures of what you're eating around town at certain restaurants. For me, I really like ethnic restaurants, so those are my hidden spots. I was just at Ishtar Mediterranean Cuisine for a falafel plate. That was really good. I love Lee's Bon Me off of Veterans. We have a great food scene here in Fargo-Moorhead. Well, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. So many people are moving to the FM area from all over the country, all over yeah. the world. So the, the flavors in this town... Uh, this Midwest town, and you think a hot dish when you think of Fargo, have really spiced up. Yeah, I used to work for a refugee resettlement in the late 90s, and that's how I got a palate for it, because I had to move certain ethnic groups into housing around here, and it was a great job, very interesting. And since then, there have really been some great restaurants, and not only ethnic restaurants, we have a lot of fine dining now. It's uh, really good to see, and people are really cool about it, and they're really energetic about showing off where they're eating and just having a discussion, period. It's really interesting. So dinner plans have been arranged because of this group on Facebook. 
Now, I can imagine, have you been told by some of these restaurant owners, like, the direct impact this group has had on their bottom line? I have, actually. TJ at Taikota, who's a friend, but we just did a giveaway on there for a gift card. But he said that that's impacted his restaurant quite a bit. When Thai Orchid was struggling over in Moorhead, I had heard that this page saved them. And I was like, holy cow, that's very humbling. And you follow their story. You can see their story from moving from the Moorhead Center Mall to this new place in West Fargo. You can see the evolution of the whole thing. I was over there last week because I'm in the group of chamber ambassadors, and we did a ribbon cutting over at their new restaurant in West Fargo off of Maine there. And Dr. Ann, who's one of the owners at Thai Orchid, I mean, she was very thankful. I finally met her, like, one-on-one. I've never met her one-on-one, but we had a great talk for probably about an hour, and it was just, it's an extraordinary story. How has the culinary scene in Fargo that you might traditionally think of. I joked about hot dish, but how has that also fit into the scene? Is that part of this story too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're seeing like Fargo Hot Dish Festival at Drecker, which is an extraordinary (laughs) event and it's hundreds, probably thousands of people are in and out of that thing. It sells out of tickets, but yeah, certain things like that, Fargo style food, Sons of Norway, downtown off a second there they sell a lot of i don't know i had tater tot hot dish over there pies homemade i mean people just go crazy over that stuff you see the comments just pile on and (laughs) it's kitschy and it has a vibe and i love it for lunch and it's kind of a well-kept secret but it's not now (laughs) cat is out of the bag as a lot of things are now speaking of that rick what is your wildest discovery well, I kind of get into Lakes Country a little bit, and I don't know if this is too wild and crazy, but there are two Mexican restaurants in Pelican Rapids that are really good, and one in particular called Taqueria Chavez, and the, kind of the secret got out because of that Facebook group. Yeah, and I saw that post. I want to go. <laughs> it's really good. It's very authentic. For Pelican Rapids, what is Pelican Rapids? 2,500 people, and to have two good Mexican right. restaurants. That's wild. That's, that's really That's good. exciting, too. Yeah, it, it really, really is. is. In one word, how would you describe the Fargo-Moorhead culinary scene? Robust. We're really, it's, well, I guess this is more than one word, but robust. And we're growing. There's places opening, seems like, every week. People were worried about places closing for a while there, but I don't think that's really an issue. And part of the reason why I started this page is to support restaurants, especially locally owned restaurants, after COVID because... You could see that we were having issues, of course, just because of all those challenges. So, yeah, I like to support those local places. Yeah, so. eat local. Rick, how can yes. people find your Facebook group? All you have to do is go on Facebook and look up Fargo-Moorhead Eats. It's a large group. It's 27,300 members or something, which if you, <laughs> the population of North Dakota is, you know, kind of that percentage. You're like, wow, okay, that, there's a lot of people on there. But, yeah, it's a Facebook group, so you got to look for the group. The page isn't that great, but I do run an Instagram page, Fargo-Moorhead Eats, and TikTok, too, but the big group is on Facebook. Rick Young, Fargo-Moorhead Eats, and uh, Director of Major Giving here at Prairie Public. Thanks, man. Thanks, Eric. That was Rick Guion, you just heard, with our producer, Eric Detheridge, talking about his Facebook group, Fargo-Moorhead Eats. It's a must-read if you are hungry in Fargo, North Dakota. So, Tom, I have to ask, Dakota Diners is just a much-loved feature mm. on the radio broadcast of the Great American Folk Show. It's, it's so much fun doing it's that. It's fun putting it together. It's yeah. fun hearing you go out and, and, and talking to folks that yeah. run these places and that dine in these places. Um, so it's all about showcasing the heart and soul of communities, and that's the eateries, usually at the center of town. What's the I know it's like picking your favorite kid, but what is the Dakota Diner feature to you that most encapsulates the spirit of community that you set out to tap into? Well, I think that's easy. You know, we've hit about 20 of these great diners 
uh, throughout the state of North Dakota. But I would, I would have to say right away that it would be the Cowboy Cafe in Medora, North Dakota, which from Fargo is all the way over on the western part of the state. Really beautiful spot to go uh, during the summertime, and Theodore Roosevelt National Park is there, Medora Musicals there. It's also a great spot to go in the wintertime. And the cafe is this thing that kind of serves everybody who, you know, comes to that part of the state. And they have exactly the menu that you'd think that they would have. They, they've got eggs, they've got bacon, they've got toast. They have some specialty items like Coogan. They've got oatmeal. Their coffee is hot as heck. It's kind of like that place where you go in and you just sink into one of the booths and you just kind of feel like you're part of the fabric. And I, part of that experience is because Kevin and, and Beth... They're the owners of the Cowboy Cafe. They've owned it for many years. They really do a good job of just creating that vibe, making you feel welcome. How long have you had the Cowboy Cafe? Um, I've had the Cowboy Cafe since I was 22. 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Was it a cafe before you had it? Yep, yep, it, it was. It was called the Cow- Cowboy Cafe? No, it's called the Badlands Cafe, and oh. we renamed it. What was the Badlands Cafe like? It's really evolved since then a lot, but, I mean, we just came in, and we had our same cook that they had, Betty Cornell, who cooked for us for seven years and taught us the tricks of the trade. Mm-hmm. She was awesome, and now we've had it for over 40 years. This July was the first day that we've ever been closed a day in July, and that was for Betty's funeral. So it was my first day off in July in over 40 years, and that was for Betty. So it's kind of cool. The cook. Yeah. The original cook. Yeah, and she taught us how to do things, and number one, cleanliness and good, simple food. As when Betty was here, we still roast a beef every day. Uh, We use certified Hereford in our hot beef sandwiches. We still make homemade soup every day. Tomato macaroni is well known throughout everywhere. We actually sell the recipe. Uh, Betty and I came up with it together after, well, we had a catering, we had a lot of leftover hot dish and Betty's like, what are we gonna do with this? And we didn't know, so we we decided to make um, some soup and it turned out great and people have loved it ever since. The tomato mac soup. Yep. So you had these two ingredients tomatoes and macaroni yep and beef hamburger Mm -hmm. you know this is a beef capital of north dakota medora i mean it's obvious we have an old beef packing plant that used to be here you know so it's very important to me that beef is the first ingredient on our menu our first item that we sell because we want to support our ranchers and our north dakota way of life and even our caramel rolls are made with you know dakota made flour that's very important to me they're bread flour I, we just really want to push North Dakota, you know, so we have this good tomato macaroni soup that my daughter, when she was in high school, took the recipe to the North Dakota Beef Challenge or Beef Cook-Off and got state champion. Beef, it's what's for dinner. A nice little snippet from Tom's visit to the Cowboy Cafe in Medora, locally sourced and delicious food. Great stuff. So we here at the Great American Folk Show, as you can tell, we like topical songs. We like lists. And come on, you like lists, too. Everybody loves lists. Yeah. So, Tom, here we have another list of the tops of yours. Musician man, Tom Brousseau, what is your favorite song about food? There are so many of them. And I also know (laughs) the answer to this, Eric. Uh, But it's a genre, too, of songwriting, you know, and of, of folk songs. It's like there are dedicated volumes of songs just about food and drink and you know i mean it's something that we all need to to live in this life so why wouldn't there be lots of songs <laughs> about a very it? important element okay yeah. i love lie i love it i don't know if you knew this oh, right, i know where you're going grew up yeah having his poster on, on my wall i saw myself in him I started smiling like him. I wish I had curly hair. That My hair is not as... smile. I always call him Rye Lyle because of that side, Rye smile. Yep. The Lyle Lovett smile. That's it. So I was a huge fan of his, of course, mm-hmm. naturally. And one of his songs is about food. It's called Church. I you know knew you song. would say that. It's also tops of my list, too. <laughs> and it's a long one, too. It's not like two minutes. It's like yeah. six minutes. All right, let's give a little sample, not okay. the whole song. Here you go. The preacher, he stopped preaching And a hush the church did fill and then a, a great white dove from up above landed on the windowsill. And the dove 
down beside him A fork appeared right in his hand Everybody watching The creature ate that bird right there it's fair to say the Great American Folk Show radio show was born out of the pandemic. For convenience sake, artists weren't touring, and they wanted to reach people in some sort of meaningful way, hence file sharing, and just to form this collective community of artists aching to create and share their songs. And we felt all in it together, artists in our music-thirsty audience. And that's how it was all born. Acclaimed ragtime finger picker Mary Flower was one of those artists who wrote for the moment. Hi, I'm Mary Flower, and I'm coming to you from Portland, Oregon, where I have lived the last 15 years. And I've been playing pretty much all my life uh, blues and ragtime style finger picking and slide guitar on my lap. And um, it is an honor to be on Tom Brasso's Great American Folk Show. I am honored to be a part of this. I have a couple of songs I've recorded that have come out of this last nine months of pandemic <laughs> time for all of us. And they're both guitar tunes. Uh, the first one will be an instrumental called Pandemic Pickin'. <laughs> and it's just an instrumental that I've made up that I really enjoyed playing. And the other is more recent, and it's basically a 12-bar blues with uh, a few surprises. And it's called the Isolation Blues, or the long name would be the Locked Down, Masked Up Isolation Blues. And it's your basic 12-bar blues song, but it's definitely worth a grin. So that's really about it. I am surviving thanks to some of my private students that I have. I'm working with Zoom and doing an occasional live stream. Uh, you can find out about this usually on my Facebook page, Mary Flower Blues, and you can find out when my live streams are. I also I have a guitar camp that happens every year in October, and it happened virtually last year, and hopefully we'll do it in person this year, called Blues in the Gorge at a place called Menuka, M-E-N-U-C-H-A, which is up the Columbia River Gorge from Portland. And it's a wonderful uh, five-day event with uh, three other teachers and myself and about 50 students. So you might want to check that out. And that's really it. Why don't you listen to some music now? And thanks again to Tom for inviting me to be on his show. What a great thing. And Fargo, I've never been there. I've just seen the movie. <laughs> I hate to think that that really represents Fargo, but... <laughs> um, Anyway, someday maybe I'll make it there, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for tuning in.
have to go Why I don't have to see you Just sitting here thinking About how I followed all the rules It's an undesirous virus Got those lockdown masks Isolation blues In a dark room I'm drinking dark beer And I'm praying on my rosary I'm having impure thoughts About the mailman And the guy who delivers my groceries I'm just sitting here thinking is it me, or is it you, or is it just the flu? You've got to stop it with the droplets. Got those masked up, locked down, isolation blues. Yes, I do. I hope you enjoyed that throwback pandemic session from Mary Flower. Well, Tom, not only are you a podcast and radio host, but you are also a working musician and you got some live dates coming up. Share that with us. I'm doing this tour, Eric. It's headed by Bill Sorensen. He was the one-time mayor of Bismarck, North Dakota. And on a side note, he also managed Virgil Hill, who... Just got the Rough Rider. Just got the big Rough Rider. I mean, Bill is an amazing guy. And on top of what he's done for North Dakota, he's also just one of these, I think he might get a kick if I call him an Andy Warhol-type character. But, you know, he he creates a community. He creates a, a hub. People I thought want you were going to say he's got lots of Campbell's soup cans. But, yeah. <laughs> well, he probably does, too. And I bet you a lot of that is cream of lutefisk. <laughs> oh, you're on to a new flavor. So Bill is uh, heading this tour, and he's asked if I would do it. And, of course, I'm so honored because this is going to be a lot of fun. We start on November 25th, and we end on December 23rd. I mean, there's tons of shows, and it's all throughout North Dakota. We hit South Dakota a little bit. Uh, we dip into Montana and we go to Minnesota, but right. for the most part, it's give North me a Dakota. couple of North Dakota highlights. Say Bismarck, Fargo, and your hometown. I'll tell you that right now. I got this right here. We're going to be in Grand Forks, North Dakota, my hometown, on the 10th of December at the Empire Theater. Uh, we're going to come to Fargo at the Avalon Theater on the 17th of December, and uh, yeah, we're going to be in Bismarck for two nights, wrapping in the tour up actually on the 22nd and 23rd at the Bell Mehus. Auditorium. I've never been there, but I've heard oh, it's, it's, I hear it's very, very nice. Really beautiful. So are you going to dust off your Spike Jones <laughs> <laughs> And sing All I Want for Christmas in the Two Front Teeth? Yeah, yeah. You can go to MedoraChristmas.com. It's going to have all of the show dates there if you want to come out and see the show, and I hope that you do. And don't forget to like and subscribe to Great American Folk Show Podcast wherever you're listening to right now.
We'll be back with another episode on the 25th of November. In the meantime, queue up some Alice's Restaurant and have a perfect turkey day. We'll see you next time. Or the turkey turn the ball game on Make bloody marriage cause we all want one Send somebody to the stop and go We need some celery and a can of fake stove A bag of lemons and some diet sprites A box of tampons and some Salem lights Christmas from the man.